This is ISN Now with Will Charlton and Noah Cowell. Well, I got to say, that was a pretty uh, pretty fun way to do it. It's been a while since we've been on ISN. Now, we, we told you we are going to do our basketball season preview episode last week, but figured since, you know, Illinois is playing Kansas yesterday in an exhibition game at State Farm Center and got a win, a awesome win, 82-75 to over the preseason number one ranked team in the country. But, you know, I, we figured just we'd be able to recap that one and then give a little season outlook today, Noah. Yeah. Uh, well, something about the Illini beating a number one team, Kansas Jayhawks, for the first time since Bill Self is returned. Yeah, that was cool. It, it has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Does. It does. <laughs> the Illini won 82-75. to 75. Uh, Terrence Shannon leads the way. and 28 points. You know, there were a lot of questions coming in, but, man, the Illini answered a lot of them, and I know it's early on, but... Oh, you should have a fun season upcoming here. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, I'm like, I try not I, to freak out. I don't want to overreact, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, that was a lot of fun to watch yesterday. And, you know, we got we got someone really, really special joining us on uh, on ISA now today. A guy who we figured would be a great guy to bring on uh, to give a little season outlook and recap this Kansas matchup. But uh, he was a member of the 1989 Flying Illini team, went to the Final Four, current Big Ten Network analyst. Stephen Bardo is here on ISN Now today. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. How you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. So, Stephen, first thing I got for you is what were some of the main takeaways from that win yesterday, like especially out of TSJ and Coleman Hawkins, what were some of the main takeaways that you really thought put Illinois on top of Kansas? Well, one of the most, um, I think, important things that I saw down the stretch at the end of the game was that all the guys on the team could buy their own liquor. They were old. I mean, we're talking 22, <laughs> 23, 24, 25 year, year old players. And if the Alana had that kind of veteran play and the way that they shared the basketball yesterday, I thought that was really one of the most impressive aspects of watching this team play. They had a bunch of me guys last year, it seemed. They got a bunch of we guys this year where they're trying to get people to come in and win championships. And so uh, I, I was very impressed. Um, I don't think Kansas is the number one preseason team in the country. Uh, but with that said, that's a quality opponent. And I thought the Illini looked really good, showing a lot of depth and a lot of ways that they can attack opposing teams this season. You know, the Illini looked really good yesterday against Kansas. But, you know, also the disaster that was last year's team still beat Kansas in that scrimmage. Granted, it wasn't in front of a live crowd like last night. But, Stephen, do you expect Illinois to continue to play that solid throughout the year? I know it's really tough with – these risen expectations now. Oh yeah. You're, you're going to, both these teams are going to get a lot better as the season goes on. Um, there's still a lot of question marks for Illinois. They look good against Kansas, but what will they do when someone starts pressuring them full court? Because Ty Rogers is a good ball handler, but point guard is not his natural position. Uh, so will we see Nicolo Moretti more? Will we see Drake Gibbs Lawhorn more? Um, that remains to be seen. And so they're, there's still a lot of question marks, but that was a really good test, early test. And, you know, the thing that impresses me so much is that both of these teams, well, really Purdue, Arkansas, which is Saturday, uh, Tennessee at Michigan State, and then Kansas at Illinois, all three of those games, I was so impressed with the high level of play this early in the season. Generally, you know, in October, November, you're seeing teams with 20 turnovers, um, you know, miscues, not hitting each other in the right places. There was some high-level basketball being played over the weekend. And so um, I think you'll see both Illinois and Kansas get get markedly better as the season goes on. And, you know, to kind of have this quality of a game be played in late October right now, just what do you think it gives this group of guys confidence-wise to move forward and know that they can compete among amongst the nation's elite? I mean, obviously, you talked about how can't, you don't think Kansas is the preseason number one, but just to see that they are preseason number one, that you're preseason number 25, what does that, what, what confidence do you think that it gives this group of guys to really gel together the rest of the way? It should give them a ton of confidence and 
regardless of what time of the year we're talking about, players like to compete. And so, you know, you get tired of beating up, beating up on each other in practice, seeing the same guys you're going against in practice. You need an opposing team. And so I think that both Bill Self and Brad Underwood got a tremendous amount of film that they can take back and study and, and try to help their players refine some of the aspects where they want to see improvement. But I just think that for college basketball's sake, because we struggle – getting enough eyeballs at the start of the season because people just think, okay, uh, it's the start of college basketball. And nationally, people are trying to condense college basketball to be March Madness pretty much. Um, I think that it's a fantastic trend that needs to continue to have high-quality programs meet each other in in exhibition games. You you can get them nationally televised. And you can raise a ton of money. I think Illinois raised over a million dollars yeah. for that Maui fund yesterday. So there, there are no, there are no negatives associated with this at all. I think it's all positive, and I think it gives college basketball a nice buzz early on to get more eyeballs on the sport to start the season. You know, you mentioned a lot of this is for college basketball. Um, so much of of what is happening uh, recently, especially with with yesterday's game is a lot for the program for Illinois. I mean, a lot of people criticize uh, Brad Underwood and his lack to make it to any sort of Sweet 16, but, you know, I've been watching Illinois since I was like eight years old. I've seen pretty low points for this basketball program, but next thing you know, now we have Underwood in his, uh, you know, sixth or seventh season. Seventh, yeah. Seventh season now, and you see he's reaching – like he has a lot of attention on this program now that you couldn't have possibly imagined about 10 years ago. Oh, you're, you're right on that. And you know, it's funny that on my platform, Bardo's breakdown, I often get fans that sometimes they're frustrated with Illinois lack of success in the NCAA tournament. I've seen that. So, and they'll, they'll bring up stuff like, you know, should, should we be talking about another coach? And I say emphatically, no, because what you just said, Noah, I don't have to go back to when you were eight years old. I just have to go back to the last regime and see where the program had fallen so badly, so far down the Big Ten ranks, that now you've got a program that's won the most games in conference play in the last four years. That's the University of Illinois. So I think the program's in great position. I think Brad Underwood's done a fantastic job of putting Illinois back on the map for not only high school recruits but also impact transfers because Illinois did as as well as any team in the Big Ten Conference through the transfer portal this season and a lot of that has to do with the recent success that he's gotten the program to. And to talk about some of those transfers I mean we've seen Quincy Garrier, Marcus Domask, even Justin Harmon all three of them looked like they just know what they're doing out there especially Marcus Domask just such a high basketball IQ and Justin Harmon a Six four guard who's able to get rebounds, play down low for you. Just what do you have? What have you seen out of those three so far, and what do you expect they can do for this team this season? You know, I I think when I look at those three, um, I see guys who have had individual success, but they were wanting to come to a situation where they thought they could compete for championships, whether it's a regular Big Ten championship, it's a Big Ten conference tournament championship, it's the NCAA championship. I think these guys are on the same page. Um, There was a play last night. The ball went inside to Quincy Garrier. He did a drift pass along the baseline. Then it whipped around the perimeter so fast that the guy that was trying to close out to Marcus Domaz, he just didn't even even try because he couldn't get to him to bother the shot. When you see plays where the ball is being shared that easily and that quickly, that's a very good indicator that these guys are all pulling in the same direction. Last season, you saw the Illini shoot a ton of threes towards the end of the shot clock because they didn't have a lot of continuity. You know, you didn't know whether Matthew Meyer was sober or not sometimes the way he played. <laughs> um, no, know, seriously, he, though. Uh, uh, Coleman Hawkins was a guy who was passing when he should have shot. He was shooting sometimes when he should have passed. He looked outstanding last night. Looked like he was well within his game and played terrific defense on Hunter Dickinson. So I think you, you know, I think this is a 
a situation where uh, these these transfers they understand what they have, and they understand that at this joint of their career, if we're on if we're on a winning team, I'm going to get more exposure. So they they've understood that they need to put put back into the team first before looking for themselves first because if Illinois does well, everybody's going to get exposure. So I think these these impact transfers are definitely impacting the way the Illinois is playing, and I think they've got a they've got a pretty good. Uh, they seem like they have good chemistry, like that overseas trip this summer really paid dividends. Yeah, and, you know, with all these guys, the, the depth is pretty uh, outstanding, it seems. I mean, just I know it's an exhibition game, but you're still able to substitute guys in and out, and you don't feel like you've lost a step against, well, the preseason number one team. We'll see um, not too long if they actually are one of the best teams in the country. But, you know, the Illini were still able to hold their ground. And at the end of the day, so much of that ended up falling on Terrence Shannon Jr. I mean, he played incredibly. He looked a lot like the Terrence Shannon Jr. that we saw last year against UCLA. Mm-hmm. And that just shows how difficult it is to guard him when he's be- being able to get to the rim. And if they're giving him that shot, he's able to make it. Um, I guess, Steven, do you think he's going to be able to continue that? Because we saw some consistency issues last year. He said in the offseason he's worked a lot on that mid-range. He just looked so confident last night. If he's able to keep that consistent, how far do you think the Illini could go? Well, Terrence Shannon is a player that a lot of people have identified as being able to challenge Zach Eady for Big Ten Player of the Year. I think he's he's that highly thought of. Um, and I think Terrence will be better this year than he was last year, and here's why. He was asked to do so many things last year. He had to guard opposing team's best player. He had to get downhill. He's one of the best in the Big Ten at getting to the free throw line. Uh, they needed him to score. They needed him to run the point guard position sometimes. They needed him to play make for his other teammates. That's a lot to ask. Even with a player as talented as Terrence Shannon Jr., that's a ton to ask. This year, he's not going to be asked to do a lot. He can be that kind of Kevin Durant-like sniper to just load up on opposing teams because now if you've got Marcus Domas on one wing, can't, can't you know get in the paint and help off of him because he's going to bang the three. you got Luke Goody on the other side, same thing. You can't back off of him, he'll bang the three. Um, and so there's a lot more pieces this year to where Terrence can really concentrate on doing what he does best. And to me, that's getting out on the fast break in the open court, that's getting downhill and getting to the free throw line. Now, his shot looked a lot better uh, yesterday. Uh, we saw that earlier in the season last year, and then it kind of fell off. And I think his shooting fell off because of the load that he was having to carry. I don't think he's going to have to carry nearly as heavy a load this season. And I think his shooting will remain more consistent throughout the season. Yeah, it was kind of a really nice sign to see Terrence put up those 16 uh, first-half points and end up with 28, but he was trying to go back and forth with Kevin McCuller of uh, Kansas yesterday, former Texas Tech teammates, of course. Um, But just to kind of stay on that topic of Terrence, just – what are you most looking forward to out of him, like guys like Coleman, just collectively – what no, are you most you. looking forward to out of these guys to lead Illinois to be atop the Big Ten? I think we got a glimpse of it last night. Um, you know, Coleman Hawkins seems like he is as comfortable as I've seen him in an Illini jersey. Uh, he's making correct reads. He's, he's shooting the ball when he's open. He's making the pass. He's playing great defense. He's staying within himself. And when Coleman gets in trouble, I think he's, you know, he, he thinks he's Magic Johnson, but he ends up being Tragic Johnson. And so <laughs> when we can keep Coleman out of those scenarios and when he's, you know, he can tap into that skill set but not trying to do too much. Um, so I, I look at Coleman could be a double-double guy. He could average a double-double. I think um, – I know Brad Underwood wants Terrence and Coleman to be better on the glass. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're going to see a, 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 a intentional effort on the part of Coleman and Terrence to be better rebounders. Um, but when you see Coleman play the way he did last night, plays within himself, and if Terrence can be that dynamic scorer and the guy that can, you know, he can still have his reserve at the end of games because he's not being asked to do too much, 
you know, you, you might be looking at Coleman maybe 11 points, 10 rebounds a game, maybe Terrence uh, quite possibly 18 points, maybe around seven, eight rebounds a game. And if you could see those those type of consistent numbers out of those two players, then Illinois could challenge Michigan State and Purdue for the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, and they both they both just looked uh, so confident last night and uh, in a game with such – I guess there weren't many – real implications, but still, you know, um, high-level environment. And Coleman, we've talked about his consistency issues last year, could not break that 30% barrier from three. Um, And that's a player that you need to be confident out there. He looked really confident last night. Um, And they still both, both Hawkins and Shannon, um, even with their seasons last year, and I know we said that they did have room to improve, they got the same answer from scouts in the NBA and decided to come back for another year. Do you think that if they are able to play consistently like that, have those numbers that you mentioned, do you think this is a type of season that gets them catapulted into the second or first round of the NBA draft next year? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, Coleman Hawkins is a a prototypical four at the NBA level. He's very comfortable facing the basket. He's very good moving his feet defensively. Uh, he can slide down and guard centers. He can he can switch on ball screen action and contain dribble penetration. So defensively, uh, he's he's like a three and D guy at, at the NBA level. So Coleman, as long as he can turn, it, it, as long as he can hold down his mistakes and play instinctive basketball, not get too much into his head. Because when he starts thinking too much, that's when he gets in trouble. Uh, and I think that's what hurt him in terms of what scouts are looking for. Because guys, let, let's let's be honest. You out of four hundred and what is it, four hundred and thirty players in the NBA? Really, thirty of them are scores. Mm. Thirty to thirty-six of them are the main scores. Everybody else got has got a role to play, and that's Terrence Shannon Jr. included. Can he score? Yes. Can he get downhill? Yes. But is he going to come in as a rookie? and be one of the top three or four scorers on the NBA franchise, likely not. And so it's the nuances that and winning. It's nuances and winning. How do these guys look when they're on the floor with their teammates? Do they make the right play? What is their reaction when they go to the bench? Because these NBA franchises, they can't afford to invest millions into a player that's not going to be a good teammate, that's not going to accept their role, that thinks that they need to be doing more than what they're supposed to do than what the coach is asking of them at this particular time. So if Terrence and, and Coleman can lead the Illini to a winning season and have those, and approach those numbers that I referenced just earlier, I think that they'll be fine in terms of getting to the NBA because both of them, there's a place in the NBA for both players. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and, you know, mentioning, uh, you mentioned earlier the – role that every player has to play in the NBA who's not a prototypical scorer um, that reminded me of watching last night and it just felt like Marcus Damask knew how to play so many roles out there on the court I mean he was able to bring up the ball with with ease um, as as the point guard oh yeah yeah um, he was able to to shoot from the wing he whenever the play would break down he would be able to um, I mean he had like a, a hook shot there was one time fadeaway jumper mm-hmm. I mean this is a guy who scored uh, 1600 career points at SIU he knows how to score he knows how to be a leader on a team and now that he's not the face he has really found his role and you know, maybe you're going to see what we saw last night where he kind of takes over that role and Luke Goody really didn't play much. He didn't have much of a no, yeah, he really didn't. An, an identity, if yeah. at all. So I, I wonder if we'll actually continue to see that um, ca- kind of play out throughout the rest of the season. Uh, you're talking about for uh, Marcus Damas for, for Damas Luke Goody? And, yes. Okay. Yeah, Marcus Damas, that's why Brad Underwood wanted to get older. Because when you you got older players who buy into what's going on, you don't have to repeat yourself. The players do a lot more of the talking than the head coach, which is better come February, March. Because if you're screaming in October, guys around January, they might start tuning you out. And so... Uh, where have we uh, seen that before? When you got, <laughs> yeah, when you got guys like Marcus Damask, who's been around a long time. You know, he's, he's been in college basketball four seasons. Uh, he's had really good success at a very good and underrated conference in the Missouri Valley Conference. Those are grown A men in that conference. And 
you can tell by Marcus's build how strong and how well put together he is um, that he's going to be able to do a lot of things for the Illini this season uh, in addition to scoring the basketball. He just knows how to play. He knows how to space. He can pass. You, you guys reference his ability to bring the ball up and initiate the offense. So he gives the Illini a lot of versatility. And I think that there'll be games where he'll be the leading scorer. Then there'll be games when he might be the leading fifth guy. Uh, and then, there, then, then there's games where he might mess around and, and, and be a steals leader as well because he's a crafty defender as well. So uh, Marcus is going to touch a lot of aspects of the game. And it's really good for the Illini to have these three uh, transfers just because it seems to really have settled things down and allowed the two stars on the team, in my opinion, Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, to really really play up to their strength. And, uh, Stephen, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. So I know it's only October. We've only seen two exhibition games. But is it kind of fair to say that Marcus Damas might be like an unselfish version of Matthew Meyer and kind of an upgrade for this Illinois team? I know it's early to say it, but just kind of want to see what you think about that. Uh. I've re- I'm going to take my analyst hat off and put my former Illini basketball player hat on. I hope like hell Marcus DeMass' name is nowhere mentioned with Matthew Meyer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Matthew Meyer is talented. He's a, he was a cool dude. I got to know him a little bit. But he was woefully inconsistent. And it just it appears as, as though at times when he was on the floor, like he didn't know where he was or maybe he just – I don't know. He's – He's a different cat. Marcus Domas, to me, is a, is a seems a lot more level-headed, uh, seems to be like you're able to count on him more. So Matthew Meyer is a lip licker to me. That's what I call players who are lip lickers. You, you start licking your lips like this in anticipation of what they'll do. One game, they'll, they'll satisfy that curiosity, and the next game, they'll, it's, it's like a, a dumpster fire, right? And it, and it was – everywhere else in between. So you never knew what you were going to get with Matthew Meyer. With Marcus Domas, it's totally different. You know exactly what you're going to get. He's not going to turn the ball over. If you leave him open to the three, he's going to sting you. If he gets the ball inside and he's got a nice matchup that he wants to take advantage of, he'll do that. Um, he's not going to make mistakes. So he, I think he's the antithesis, really, of what Matthew Meyer brought to the Illini last season. I think uh, Domas is going to be kind of a security blanket for Brad Underwood and his staff. Yeah, and what baffled me, and I think what baffled a lot of people, was how little last year's team was like a Brad Underwood-styled team. I oh, mean, yeah. They talked um, years and years with, um, ever since Underwood got to Illinois, about being everyday guys, and they felt like the exact opposite of that last mm-hmm. year. Maybe it was like type of a a hangover season after losing the guys you've had the entire Underwood tenure in DeMonte Williams, uh, Trent Frazier. You'd had Kofi for most of those years, Io as well. And I guess you tried to make up for it, bringing in some guys who had been there, like Mm -hmm. Shannon and Meyer, but had never really completely led those teams. And next thing you know, it was a complete disaster. I mean, Stephen, you mentioned having a lot of those me guys, but, I mean, we've only seen two games so far from this team, but it feels a lot more like a team that Underwood can get behind, a team that enjoys playing with each other as opposed to playing for themselves. Well, yeah, it, I, yes, you're exactly right. And I think last year's team, when you look at Jaden Epps, here's a young man that started as a freshman for a good majority of the season. And then he transferred? Mm-hmm. So that, that was always a question mark. Like, I, I, I was able to start my freshman year. So I was a four-year starter at Illinois. And I know it's way different then than it is now. But if, if if you're getting the keys to the program as a point guard and you're starting and you're not satisfied, then that's kind of, I think, what Brad saw last year. He had some guys in his program that weren't his type of guy. They weren't his type of player. Um, you, you talk about the young man, uh, Sky Clark. Mm-hmm. who I think is an outstanding young man in terms of character, but his his father is a little bit, you know, you get some of these parents who are involved a little bit more than maybe they should be for the benefit of their child. I think there was a lot of that that went on. Um, it was, uh, you know, the NIL is still very new, so there, there might have been some um, 
jealousy among players with what some guys were getting NIL wise and what some weren't. Um, so it, it was a real, it was a, it was a perfect storm in terms of having the inconsistent season that the Illini had last year. There were, there were a lot of factors. And I think that this year with those transfers, I thought the Illini staff did a really good job of figuring out, okay, these are our type of guys. They'll come to work every day. They're, they're going to be on the same page. They, they like their teammates. So I, I just think um, you, you reshuffle the deck with veterans, guys that understand what the expectations are, as opposed to bringing in freshmen last year who were very talented but didn't really understand what the expectations were under Brad Underwood. Yeah, I mean, going into the season, obviously, with all that, the, the big question mark was the point guard spot. I mean, losing Epps and losing Sky Clark, of course. But it, it, it was kind of weird how you really thought that I mean, Jay Epps looked comfortable, but then there was that one point in the season where I want to say, I think it was the comeback against Northwestern. He just pouted um, on the bench yeah, when exactly. they won the game. And that was kind of the point where it's like, oh, he might not be here for much longer, will he? Um, but, you know, to kind of touch on what we were talking about before at the point guard spot, just what what are the things from Ty Rogers this season and like maybe Nicola Moretti, Dre Gibbs-Lahorn, what are the things from them that you think they're going to have to contribute to really kind of gel together the five that the Illini need? Well, I, I think that we saw a glimpse of it yesterday. I thought um, Ty Rogers did a really good job running the point. And what we saw is the Illini are going to allow him flexibility to take advantage of mismatches. Because Ty is 6'6", right. 215, 220, he's a big dude. Athletic, strong, quick. Um, and there were several sets where the Illini were coming up the left side of the floor and they kind of spaced out. There was a big on his side, and he could have gone. He could have used the big in a ball screen action, but he waved the big away, kept him, uh, kept him spaced, and took a smaller guard in the paint and scored three or four buckets that way. So mm-hmm. um, I think that he's going to be fine in the way that he's going to be able to utilize his strengths. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if, if teams will play him and they'll – play way back to encourage him to shoot. We'll see we'll see how he responds to that. Nicolo Moretti will be more ball control point guard. He'll come in, initiate the offense. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of an advantage being a lefty. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see if he ever gets in with Terrence Shannon, what they can do with, with two lefties in the backcourt. Uh, and I think uh Dre Gibbs Lawhorn is one of the best freshmen that Brad Underwood has ever had. That's what right. he told me. Personally, mm-hmm. and high praise. once the game slows down for that young man, he's going to be a problem for the rest of the teams of the Big Ten. So, I think that um, there will be some there will be some road bumps, there will be some um, setbacks, there will be some games when where the Illini don't look very good at the point guard position. But I think over the long haul, if you come back and look early February, mid February, I think the Illini will kind of work out that situation, and and they'll be they'll be fairly comfortable uh, and maybe with Marcus Damas playing some of the, uh, some of his time right at, at a backup point guard position. Yeah. And I'm really interested to get your perspective on this. Um, a big focal point I had last night um, because we kind of saw last year and we know Brad Underwood's general approach to, I guess, defense and uh, playing uh, on ball off screens um, it's very different from per se uh, John Gross where you do a lot of, of hedging there and then you have guys like um, Maverick Morgan and um, Nana Egwu guys like that running back and taking forever to get back and actually help out in the lane but now with with Underwood you actually see a lot of the centers dropping back and giving them 15 foot uh, jumpers or floaters I was curious I mean you uh, were Big Ten uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 1989. Um, you have a pretty good perspective on that situation. I'm curious what you think about the way that Underwood has his style of defense playing, especially uh, on ball with screens. Well, I, I think he developed his philosophy on ball screen defense with Kofi Coburn. And, you know, you've got a guy who is a 20 and 10 guy who is probably one of three or four in the country. So Brad Underwood wants to play drop coverage because he wants to keep Kofi out of foul trouble. 
So a lot of times, if you if you've got active bigs on the defensive end, and there's a ball screen action, you'll see like what Michigan State will try to do. Is a lot of times they'll try to hard hedge, where they'll like similar to what Gross used to have the bigs at Illinois do, hard hedge, make the ball handler turn his back to the bucket, so that the big can recover and the guard can recover in guarding position. And so I think. You know, with the drop coverage, it gives the guard an opportunity, whether you can try to fire over the top or you can come underneath if it isn't a good shooter. Um, you know, I'm okay with the, the, the defense that Illinois runs with their bigs. Um, I think it's it's more incumbent on them having a lot more help side uh, defense and helping the big when he's trying to navigate that ball screen action uh, more than anything. But I, I don't have any problem with the way that uh, – Brad Underwood and their the defensive scheme. I, I think they, they do pretty good with that. And, um, you know, what was the – I'm just curious, what was the way that uh, you guys – and I, I know you had a lot of athletes back on your team uh, during those years, but what was the way that you guys kind of handled um, ball screen situations? Switch. Just switching? You know, we were – we. Uh, Kendall was 6'5", Nick was 6'5", I'm 6'6", Kenny Battle 6'5", Lowell Hamilton 6'7". And then Marcus Liberty, who would come off the bench, he's 6'8". That was the tallest player we had. So we were very, very unique in that we – Lou Henson was a great defensive coach, and he taught us ball screen, defense. So if we weren't going to switch and we wanted Lowell to stay on the, the center, Lowell would hard head, similar to what uh, John Gross used to have Illini Biggs doing. Um, and then he was so quick, he could get back with no problem and then I could fight over the top or Kendall could fight over the top and we get back in defensive position. So we were, we were very unique. Uh, Bill Self and Mike Krzyzewski have shared with me personally that we were their favorite team of all time based on the fact that we were so athletic but that we could switch everything defensively so we gave teams nightmares on that end of the floor. Oh, that must have – that's pretty high praise, obviously. Um, but – uh. Just to kind of talk about some long-term aspirations and long-term hopes that you want to see this season. Um, obviously, a great sign last night winning against Kansas. But what do you think the potential ceiling is for Illinois this season? What do you think the floor is? I'm really curious to kind of see where you think the high and low on this team can be at this season is. That's a great question. Um I would think that the the, the floor, mm, they got so many veterans. I was going to say it would be missing the tournament, but it's going to be hard. It would be hard pressed for me to see this Illini team miss the NCAA tournament. They're they're too old. They're too talented. They got two stars. Um, so I, I think the floor would be kind of like last year's seed. Yeah, kind of eighth, ninth place. Uh, see in the, in the Big Ten Conference Tournament and then maybe flaming out in the first round of the NCAA Tournament, something like that. The the ceiling, Big Ten title, uh, Final Four, they've got that kind of talent. They've got, mm -hmm. you know, you, you got a guy in Terrence Shannon who, like with Michigan State and Ty, uh, um, Tyson Walker. Walker. Yeah, Tyson Walker. You've got a guy who can take you down the stretch. Mm -hmm. who, can, who can put you on the, you know, Terrence, bring us home. you got one of those guys. So the ceiling to me would be Final Four and a Big Ten championship, either regular season or Big Ten uh, tournament champions. But this team has the ability to do, do all of that, in my opinion. And, you know, you mentioned you have a guy like Terrence Shannon, uh, the same we saw with Michigan State so many moments down the, the stretch last year in March with Tyson Walker huge moments um i'm actually i noticed a lot last night um and i i predicted it that the illini because it was one of their first games this year and they have a star like terrence shannon that they would come down to the end of the game and you start to see a little hero ball hero ball commence and you know it's, it's pretty hard uh to not kind of fall into that i know we saw too much hero ball last year with shannon and meyer and some other guys but 
Um, I'm just curious to see how this team plays out the rest of the year. In big moments, are you going to just go iso ball with with Shannon or still play your same offense? Because the offense looked really good for the majority of last night, and then towards the end, you saw some some pretty bad possessions. Yeah, and uh, you got to remember, it's still very early. Right. Very, mm-hmm. very early. And, um, you know, Alana has some things to work out. And so I think – what you're going to see is a team that's going to continue to get better throughout the regular season because, again, the point guard position is going to be one that's going to be in flux a little bit. Ty Rogers will have good games, and then he won't look so good uh, against other teams because they may decide to try to pressure him. And so we'll see, can he handle the pressure? We don't know. So it's, it's, it's so early. Um, but I think that, you know, you're looking at a team that is old, They've got enough guys that have experienced for what Brad is expecting of them. Um, you've got uh, depth. You've got size. So this Illini team can match up with anybody in the country, and I just think that it's going to take some time, but they could be hitting their stride beginning of February. This could be a very, very dangerous team. And uh, to kind of piggyback off that thought, what did you think about the end rotation with the four – obviously super seniors and Coleman in there like that the end of the game scenario just to have that experience and that depth like how how much do you think that's going to pan out moving forward into the Big Ten and moving forward into potentially even March Madness games like how much confidence do you think that gives Brad Underwood as a coach and even you as an alumni of course like what do you think that rotation means to just this program well it's obviously a, a lineup that is so versatile you know, they can, you know, the line can attack you a lot of different ways with those five guys on the floor. Quincy Garrier um, is a really good three-point shooter, but he can also do damage in the paint. So even if Coleman Hawkins wants to, you know, be on the perimeter, Quincy can slide into the post sometimes. And then you've obviously got Terrence, who can run the point. you got Domas, who, who can run, Shona, he can run the point. And you got Justin Harmon, who can run the point as well if need be, because he did some at Utah Valley before mm-hmm. transferring to Illinois. So you've got a, a team that can close. I don't know that maybe Michigan State uh, might have as much. Wisconsin is an older team this year. But even with Connery's season coming into his sophomore year, they don't have the kind of experience Illinois does with that lineup. So uh, – that's got to give Illini fans and Brad Underwood a lot of confidence down the stretch. They could go with an, I call it a, um, maybe a Geritol lineup or, a, you know, uh, a cassette tape lineup, something old school. Cause these dudes are old and, you know, have the confidence and all of that experience that those guys have, they're not going to see a, a scenario or a situation that they haven't experienced because, all five of them have played so much college basketball. So it's got to it's got to be a reassuring thing for Coach Underwood and the Illini Nation. And I'm just curious, uh, we'll, we'll let you go soon here, but uh, more on a personal note for you, Once uh, ever since you switched from your playing career more to your actual career as an analyst, um, how do you balance being an alumni from Illinois? Um, you don't want to be a homer necessarily if you're going to have credibility, and then just being like you have been, um, as an analyst on uh, national networks? Well, guys, I, I have two sons who I love dearly, and I could I could give an honest assessment if they were on the floor playing. You would not know. The only reason you know that they were my sons is because we share the last name. <laughs> I, I picked up that ability to be kind of down the middle early on in my career, uh, even when I did Illinois radio to start my broadcasting career. I wasn't really a homer for Illinois. I called a game from a television standpoint because I think viewers want to feel like here's the thing. When when you watch a game, the good announcers, you catch one or two things a game, but for the most part, you're really paying attention to the game. You know, announcers are kind of like referees. If you don't if we don't screw up, we it's a good game, right? <laughs> and so for me, when I, I call that. Illini games, Illini fans get mad. They don't like when I call Illinois games on television because in their mind they think I'm supposed to root for Illinois. I can't do that. 
because Illinois mm-hmm. doesn't pay my, they don't pay me. The networks pay me. So I don't have a, I've never, I've, I've never had a problem with that. I've always, I can, I guess I developed that gift early on on the radio and it was really, um, it was a major point for me to, to be down the line and be, um, not to root for one team over the other because, you know, parents and family members of those players are watching as well, and they want as much coverage and as much love for their their team and their youngsters and family members as anybody else would want for Illini uh, players as well. So that's never been an issue for me. All right. Well, Stephen, just uh, one last thing before we let you go. I know we talked about ceilings and floors, but are you allowed to give us your overall prediction on this season, what you think the Illini will accomplish and where you think they'll end up in March? You know, it's it's, it's so early. I, I don't like doing that. But for, for our purposes, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, <laughs> I think the Illini will probably finish third regular season. Uh, which would give them a three seed, which would give them a double buy. Um, and they could quite possibly be in the championship of the of the Big Ten Conference Tournament. And then I expect a Sweet 16 run for uh, the Illini at least. Uh, at least. I, I, could, I could definitely see them in the Final Four if, if everything broke the way it was supposed to and they got a little lucky on the, on the seeding and whatnot. But I, I would expect them – I would be disappointed if the Illini didn't reach the Sweet 16 this season. All right. Well, you know, there's a lot to look forward to, in my opinion, as well. But, uh, Stephen, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. We know you're really busy, and the season's right around the corner, so you'll have a lot of calls coming up. Really looking forward to hearing you back on Big Ten Network, of course. But, uh, yeah, just thank you so much again, and uh, maybe uh, we'll have you on again sometime later on the season. That sounds good, guys. Thanks a lot for having me, and good luck this season. Yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Stephen. You too. All right. So, I mean, just once again, a huge thank you to Stephen Bardo. I mean, that's probably arguably the biggest guest we've had on our podcast at this point. I, I, but, I, w- uh, I wouldn't say arguably. That's pretty clearly <laughs> the biggest guest hearing that type of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just love hearing him talk about the flying Illini. Um, that was cool. You know, I, that was cool. I get pretty jealous when my dad tells me about, um, you know, he loved that 05 team, but watching that um, that flying Illini team when he was in high school at the time was something he'll never forget. And just hearing how all athletic all those guys were, the fact that you could switch on every single ball screen, everyone would be able to cover everyone. I That'd be a dream watching that team. I can't even imagine it. I, I can't even imagine either, but I mean, you know, he gave our season predictions. You gotta, gotta, gotta kind of have to end this episode with our season predictions, That's right? That's true. So, I, I mean, I like his. You I know? do too. I, I think it's, I mean, I don't disagree. Like, I'm very, I'm, I'm bought in. Like, even after last uh, night, I'm bought in. It's such a trap, Will. I know, it's I know it is. Such a but trap. Like, it's, it's so hard just not love what you saw last mm-hmm. night. Like, the, the guys out there just knew what they looked like, they knew what they're doing. You know, well, yeah, they looked like they were mid-season form, exactly, and that's like a good awesome. mid-season form, not not a falling apart mid-season form like last year, like a trending <laughs> up mid-season yeah. form, which like that I, had the feels of like a mid-March type of game, right? <laughs> well, and you still have guys on the team that were not making an impact, like Danger didn't do a whole lot, uh, Goody. I, I don't could almost forget that he was even in the game. Yeah, I, I couldn't even yeah. tell you anything he did outside of miss a few shots. I don't think he had. A, a single point. No, he didn't. Not that I remember. So, I don't um, know, but. but man, everyone else looked really good. I still think. I mean, I know Bardo was really high on Coleman. I just, I, I think he will get drafted if he plays yeah. at, at that rate. I, I want to see more action. I just don't in the know paint. what his ceiling is because it's hard to tell. It really is because there are other guys that play way bigger than him that are also have more of. Uh, an offensive game, like they have more moves. Really, all Coleman has out there, he. If he has that quick trigger, that's really what they're looking for, I think. The quick and the quick and consistent trigger from from outside the arc, which is what he had last night, that's what Coleman needs. But if you're asking him to take a guy off the dribble, you're not going to see more than like a in-between-the-legs dribble crossover. I mean, last night, really the best move I saw him make was um, he faked one way, crossover, got a, got a foul on Dickinson. Like that was... Really, there's not a whole lot in his repertoire. I think that, that like, step back theory is real pretty, though. It was it was nice. <laughs> I, I like his step back 
laterally, though, like his quickness on offense still yeah, leaves, we, we could see leaves some, some to be there. desired. Yeah. But this team is dangerous. And I looked, I looked at my family. I was watching as a fan for the first time, gosh, in a while in person. I yeah. think since sophomore year of college, two years Probably ago. Probably has to be. But because you I, weren't even a fan for the Iowa championship game, you weren't even a fan for that. You were, I remember you were covering it in, in some way, shape, or form. Well, no, no, no. I actually I was covering it at the end, but I actually was in the uh, student section. Okay, so that was okay. the last game I'd been a fan uh, in person. Okay. But you know, I got to see it. I don't know if anybody can tell, but I had a few voice cracks here and there. Um, yeah, a little raspy going voice to back to back volleyball basketball games on Saturday, Sunday. Took well, a shout toll. out to the Illinois volleyball team. That was an Seriously. incredible win on Saturday. Five in a row. Purdue. I know, five in a row. Out. Anyways, season prediction for basketball. Go. Yes. <laughs> I was telling my family, I think that this team, like Bardo said, I don't even think their floor is missing the tournament. Like, you have to say no, like, taking out injuries at this point, season-ending injuries. The second you have those, then everything begins to open up. But I think a healthy Illini, their floor, I think, is making it to the round of 64 and losing. I, I think that they don't go any lower than like a nine seed. I yeah, know it's, I it's a trap seeing them play against Kansas. How good are they really? Yeah. Dick, Dickinson did not play well. I mean, he's still, he still like filled 22, up the stat sheets, I believe, but, but yeah. nine for 20 as a center is not yeah, exactly not, what you want. Not exactly. And he took some really odd three-pointers at the end of the game, too. Yeah, I, don't the, think, I don't think Kansas wants him to be the guy shooting late situation yeah. three-point baskets. The one that he made was a banked, uh, banked in in the, the first half as yeah. well. But I think the Illini, their floor is probably, I would say, 20 and 11. It's okay. probably their floor. Okay. Um, I think their ceiling could go as high as it possibly can. I think yeah. may, maybe up to um, 28 and n- maybe not 28 and three, uh, 27 and four in the regular wow. season. That, I mean, that's a ceiling. Like yeah. we're talking yeah. about best case if scenario. If everything glues together, yeah. If yeah. everything glues together, I think that you lose one or two games in the non con if you play really well. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're playing teams like Tennessee who. And they look really without good. Two Michigan starters State. was blowing Michigan State out of the water in that first half. They only won by one. They won, at, only won by one. Yeah, but yeah. Still one on the road mm-hmm. against a team that's supposed to be top five in the country. Right. And then next thing you know, how good is Florida Atlantic gonna be after that run? I don't know. I don't. I yeah, personally, I, I, I wouldn't have them as top ten. I kind of see them as a North Carolina type team from last year. They, they still have talent. Don't get me wrong. Dusty May is a very good coach. I think. But I think their floor is higher than what North Carolina had just because of their conference. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't think there's any question about that. For but I sure. think you have those teams. Uh, Colgate always scares me for some reason. They have no Colgate. March success, but they always scare me. I don't care how good their team is. He fears the toothpaste. Their philosophy always screams upset to me, and maybe it won't happen, but you have a really tough non-con, and then the Big Ten, you have— Fairly Dickinson, too. <laughs> Oh my god! Don't even get me started. <laughs> Tobin's not there. We no, should be yeah, fine. That, that won't be. That won't be. A problem. And then Purdue with Zach Eady. He needs to leave. He needs to <laughs> leave Purdue. They are fraudulent without him. But he is a one. He's a a force oh, to yeah. be reckoned with. Oh, he can't yeah. be stopped. I'm really interested to see, like like Bardo said, the competition between him Shannon. and Shannon. Yeah. If Shannon plays like that every game, I think personally, obviously a little biased, I think he would deserve the Big Ten Player of the Year. But that, of course, depends. We'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, it does. But yeah, and uh, let's yeah, hear your floor I, and ceiling. I think that the floor is, you know, the the floor feels like it. it the floor is going to be better than what happened to Illinois at the end of the season last year. Like I, they'd be a better nine seed this year. That that's my floor to that. That's my floor. Like a better a better yeah. nine seed as opposed to last year. Well, nine seed last year, we knew they were going to lose in the first yes. round. Yes, yes. And if they, well, I, I remember I even said this on our uh, bracket prediction that if uh, legendary that episode by the way, Il- Illinois has a better chance to beat Kansas than they do Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, that's just um, how they worked. It yeah, was so infuriating. Yeah, it was it was weird, but yeah. So I think I think like a better version of the nine seed is the floor, which is you can't really say better and floor in the same sense, but I just did. Um, and then uh, the ceiling. I agree with Steven. I mean, I don't see any reason, like, if everything glues together, like, I don't see why you can't be, like, a 25 and 6, 24 and 7. That still puts you in the top three seed in the Big Ten. Right. And I don't see why, like, with the talent you have and the experience you have, guys who have been there, too, I don't see why you can't make a run for the Final Four. Like, I don't I don't see why you can't. If everything just glues together and everything just goes the way it could just based off that, just based off seeing how they played last night, 
If everything goes that way and Terrence Shannon becomes like a first-team All-American, Coleman Hawkins maybe like a second or third-team All-American, and then guys like Marcus Damask who might get Marcus Damask, Quincy Garrier, Justin Harmon who might be in like the Big Ten mentions as well. Just if you get those guys to all do what they're going to be asked to do this season and Illinois figures out the point guard spot pretty well as the season continues... I don't see why they can't make a run for the Final Four. Yeah. I really don't. And, and I'm I, I'm with Steven. I'm expecting second weekend this year. I, I really think I am. I I, I think you kind of have to. This right is the now. team that this is the team to do it with. Yeah, it really feels like it. And you know, we were talking a little bit about expectations falling on Underwood. I think the second that he gets the Sweet 16, everyone is on his good graces. Oh like, yeah, everyone oh, yeah. is like Underwood is saving this program, which I think he already has. People don't realize. I mean, I they, completely agree with Stephen. He's the, Underwood is the guy. Like the, the fact that people is. are calling for his job is ridiculous. Look at what he's done. It I mean, makes me roll my eyes every time. People can look at results, bad results, all they want. They can look at how bad Illinois was. They yeah. will not know what it was like. No, how bad they were. The Illini could play poorly with this team and still not look even. Like, they still look 10 times better than the teams that looked or that were in that whole entire decade when those teams were on a good day. Like, it was, it got so bad before Underwood got there. And granted, in his first few years when he's still trying to figure things out, it looked pretty bad. But man, it's just so changed now. Like, Illinois is respected by all these different teams. Yep. For crying out loud, you would never in a million years with that state of that program in the mid 2010s think it's possible. To nope. even get an exhibition game with Kansas. No. You were never even discussed in the same room as nope. Kansas, in the same state as Kansas. Nope. No one cared about Illinois. Mm-mm. No, like, Illinois didn't matter. There was no, no respect. Not at all. And now look at him. Yeah. Underwood has brought culture. He has brought popularity. He has brought purpose to this Illinois basketball program. And, yes, the results haven't come yet, but you just have to be patient because he is the best thing for this program. I agree. Since... Since Bill Self. I agree. And I- irony you know, I'm, last night. I'm really excited for this season. We're going to find out uh, next Monday night in their season opener, or, or I guess a week from, uh, to, I guess a week from when we're recording this. Well, it'll be posted Tuesday morning, but, um, you know, just I'm really excited to see where this team can go. Um, and we'll just have to keep track of it. Our next episode will be Friday when we preview uh, football once again. Really excited for that. Wah, wah, wah. Here, yeah. I'll play the sound effect yeah. real quick. Yeah. I, I fumbled that. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Shoot. Got to turn up those levels there. There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> talk about football on Friday. Then we'll have a kind of a recap episode of Minnesota and then a preview episode of Eastern Illinois uh, next weekend. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was great once again having Stephen Bardo on. And Big shout out to it's him. A, this is a fun one. But, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.